What is going on, everyone? Welcome into the Sports Objective. We appreciate you tuning in whenever and however you're listening. You know, whether it's TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, you name it, you can probably find us there. Also, be sure to like and follow the show on Facebook, subscribe on YouTube, and be sure to click that notification bell so when we post new content that you um, are alerted on your device. Uh, today we're talking East Carolina Pirate football. Um, we'll first hear from Tim Doust. He is the new special teams coordinator for ECU. Uh, he most recently was at Sam Houston State, uh, spent a short time with the Bearcats. Prior to that, he had been uh, the defensive coordinator um, at a couple of MAC programs in Ball State and Western Michigan. Mm-hmm. Also spent three seasons as the special teams coordinator up at Syracuse in the ACC. Um, so we'll have that for you during the first half of the program. And then on the back half, uh, we will listen to um, Altry Denson. Uh, you'll, you'll hear an excellent conversation about a half hour with Coach Denson. He is the head coach of the Charleston Southern Bucks. Um, the Bucks out of the Big South will be visiting Dowdy Ficklin Stadium on September 25th, 6 o'clock kickoff on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, so we'll hear what Coach Denson has to say about his ball club as well as discuss his time at Notre Dame. Um, two of those years he played for Lou Holtz and then the last two for Bob Davey. But right now, without any further ado, let's go ahead and get to that conversation with East Carolina's special teams coordinator and defensive end outside linebackers coach Tim Doust. Well, Bubba, as always, it's the summertime, which means that it's uh, time now to start thinking about college football, and we're very excited for the first time to have uh, one of our new coaches at ECU. Absolutely, Dave. Last week we had a lot of fun catching up with defense coordinator Blake Carroll. Today we have with us special teams coordinator, defensive end, and outside linebackers coach Tim Dallas. Coach, we appreciate your time this morning. Hey, good to have you guys. Thanks. Appreciate it. No doubt. I appreciate you taking the time. I know you have a special day with your wife's birthday, so appreciate you coming on the show. And uh, you can't keep Mama happy, then nobody's happy. So appreciate you so much for carving some time out for us uh, this morning. Uh, very happy to have you on. Uh, obviously, to have you on the staff. We've heard a lot of good things about you here. And uh, first, before we get diving into football, you've had a few months now to be in Greenville. What's your impression of Greenville and East Carolina? You know, my, my wife and three kids have transitioned really well. It was uh, They're getting of age where I had to do some explaining when we picked up the family. But this, this town has been great. Uh, the staff, uh, the people on the university, our players, um, it's been a very welcoming place. A um, little bit of everything here, plenty of good places to go eat and have a good time. And uh, my kids have enjoyed the, the new friends they've made in the local schools. So and I tell you, the big impression on me when I came in town before my family is that this this community is full throttle ECU Pirates, so they're just anxious for, for us to get back on the field, fill up that stadium, and, and win some games. No doubt about it, Coach. When you look at, uh, obviously, we've had a tough time here in Greenville, and uh, very happy to have Coach Houston uh, here. We obviously were big fans of Coach Houston even before he came to Greenville. Uh, what's it like working, working with Coach Houston? Well, I, I think you, you've got the right impression of them. I think this, this community and uh, the university yeah, has got a lot to be excited about. It's, things are headed quickly in the right direction, and we're excited to get back on the fall. Um, it's been exactly what I thought it was going to be. 
uh, I, I, he made a great impression on me when we met a few years back. And uh, you know, very straightforward. Uh, we we believe in the same things philosophically and how players should be treated and how programs should be run and how how football games should be won. You know, play strong defense and be physical and, and demand greatness out of kids. And, and they've bought into that as well. So things are going well so far. Coach, as you take a look at things, and you know your your path to East Carolina, and your previous stops, and you spent six years as a coordinator, three as a special teams coordinator at Syracuse from 2013 to 2015, and then um, defensive coordinator stops at Ball State, and then also Western Michigan. So just talk about that experience, and um, obviously now you're um, in, on the defensive staff with a tremendous defensive coordinator in Blake Carroll. Yeah, you know, you know, every year uh, and every every stop's been a learning. A learning uh, learning experience for me. Uh, you know, figure out the best ways and new, get around new coaches to to learn new things and new ideas to implement into your own philosophy. Uh, and that hasn't changed here. You know, um, got a great chance to be a special teams coordinator at Syracuse under a great friend of mine, Scott Schaefer. And I thought we uh, we did a really good job. Uh, you know, tried to do the best we could to to stay in football games and in a high powered ACC at that time with Clemson and Florida State and Louisville and, and those likes. Um, a great opportunity for me to grow as a young coach and that chance to. To run the defenses at Ball State and Western Michigan was a lot of fun for me. Um, and now here at East Carolina, take take those uh, lessons I've learned and move forward and add to Coach Houston's staff. No doubt, Coach. Uh, one of the things I've been really impressed with is uh, obviously looking ahead to the season and looking at the depth chart, so to speak, uh, starting out with uh, one of your duties as special teams coordinator. you got to be really happy with the depth we have there starting out with special teams. I certainly am. You know, I think a dynamic return management need uh, is going to be a challenge for, for every team we face. So I, I'm glad that other coaches and players are going to have to turn on the film on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and have to worry about how to keep the ball out of his hands or, or limit his touches. Uh, so we're excited to, to do the other side of it and get him the ball in space and see what he can do. But then, you know, some new competition coming in uh, as a kicking uh, positions and long stepping positions, but, but a talented group of kids uh, to do the specialty spots. But as coaches upgraded this roster, what gets overlooked is the great players that are going to be filling the other 10 spots around those specialties. So I expect uh, some really good coverage units and return units uh, out there because the, the talent in this program just continues to increase. No doubt, Coach, with uh, looking as far as um, special teams with the punter being a senior, the experience of John Young, what does he bring to the table? Yeah, you know, John has been a steady force in the room. Uh, you know, his experience uh, talking to me about things that he sees and feels in his routine as he goes through things, uh, but also with the new kids that have been through there. It's nice to have a guy that's been in the been in the fire before, is battle tested and done a nice job, and and I and he has worked tremendously hard uh, throughout the winter, the spring, and early summer to really perfect his craft because he has high expectations of himself, uh, you know, uh, at, at times a little hard on himself. So we expect big things out of John. Uh, and then to pass that work ethic uh, on to the young guys, uh, the other long snappers and kickers that are in the program because he's a very, very intelligent young man, and he really knows his craft. He's not just punting but kicking and snapping as well. Yeah, that's one of the things, Coach, I was going to bring up as far as the punting side of things with John Young and Luke Larson having two guys that uh, both averaged over 41 yards per, per punt last year. Um, and that has to be a nice luxury. And obviously Luke Larson in that uh, season finale against SMU uh, showed that he can you know, pull it down on the rugby punt and uh, you know do what he needs to do with his legs to get first down. Yeah, the you know the the Aussie pulled his called his number and, and got a first down. What I've watched and been told, it really really got the game going in the right direction uh, for the Pirates. So that that was a good move by John. But um, you know the, that experience 
really puts me at ease going into fall camp that we've got depth at that position uh, if anywhere goes south. No doubt, Coach, when it comes to uh, talk about the uh, kicker situation. I know with Jake Verdi uh, leaving and uh, well, being a senior, moving on, and I know it uh, looks like at the depth chart that you have the freshman, is it Owen Dapper? Well, you know, Owen did a good job in the spring. Um, you know, I, I was told he, he, you know, he showed a lot of promise in the fall, and he certainly continued that. Uh, into the spring and uh, so far into this summer. Uh, Owen's a good kid, got a good personality. Things don't face him. Strong leg, showed that he'll be a solid kicker for us. Uh, but, you know, Coach and I talked, and then his goal and our goal throughout this program is to create quality competition throughout. And, and we've done that with some incoming freshmen that are now on campus and are going to uh, push Owen for that kicking spot, be it field goals uh, and or kickoff lathe margins, a very strong leg. I mean, very, very strong, talented kid. That's going to give Owen a run for his money. Carson Smith from over there uh, in South Point. Uh, he's done a nice job early on here. I hear good, good remarks from him, from his, uh, about him from his peers. So we're excited to see what they can do uh, at the kicking position. Coach, I wanted to ask you as far as the kickoff returns, one of the things I love about Mike Houston is it uh, seems like he's aggressive all over the place. Uh, speaking of special teams, uh, we love, uh, obviously, a great kid that was a walk-on and gets a scholarship, a local oh, a North Carolina kid in Raleigh with Tyler Sneed. Uh, I take it he's going to be a running back at kickoffs. Well, I think when you got a guy like that, you just how many times can we get him to touch the football? You know, yeah. I, let, I let DK handle the offense, but on special teams. <laughs> so that's the great thing about Coach Hughes should be at Sneed or anybody else. Uh, we're going to put our best players out there uh, to help the football program get in position to win football games. Uh, and Snead will be back there getting as many touches as we can. You know, you take a look on um, Tyler Snead's kickoff returns for touchdowns against USF in 2019, Temple a season ago. And then um, the Pirates also blocked a punt for a touchdown in each of those seasons, Old Dominion and 2019, and then last year down at Georgia State. Uh, so, obviously, um, this is a program that's not – Unaccustomed to having a lot of success on the special teams side, and um, just talk about how you're, you're building on that moving into 2021. Well, you guys trying to create some pressure for me? It sounds like yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, the great the great thing here, and when Coach and I talked about the special teams role, it starts at the top. I mean, he's invested as the head football coach, and the investments you know is shown through time, and time is created for us as coaches. Uh, to meet on it as players, to meet with the coaches, and then on the football field. He sets the time, time aside in practice for us to be fundamentally sound and then count on us as coaches to go out there, uh, get a, a scheme where our kids can execute at a full speed, um, and, and it's working out well for us. I think it's going to be an exciting fall. And, Coach, you talk about the very thing about uh, you just previously mentioned about giving your, your t- team a chance to win. One of the things about this program I know is we're headed in the right direction under Coach Houston and uh, – Special teams is a great way. Uh, we're going to be, and it looks like, having a chance to win every single game this year. Obviously, in previous years before Coach Mike Houston, we didn't have that. And you can think about there can be a possession or two with special teams that could make the difference of winning and losing the game, right? Yeah, and our kids believe that and know that. And they know the difference of winning and losing is very small. So, you know, as a special teams, yep, you want to win your your phase in the football game. Uh, but we're getting to the point now where it, I don't think it's appropriate anymore to just hold serve uh, in special teams. I think we can tilt the football game in our favor uh, with the athletes that we have, not just at the specialty and need as a returner, but as I mentioned, you know, uh, the great the depth we're creating at wide receiver, you know, um, 
tight end, safety, linebacker, and some of the skilled defensive ends and things like that. Where I think we can we can really get things going in our favor and, and create big plays, and that will, that will be the expectation. Coach, before we move over and talk defense, I did have one more special teams question for you. I know this is kind of just a coach, uh, coach to coach program to program philosophy, but um, you know, in terms of playing, um, it seems as though the Carlson corner has really gone by the wayside uh, in a lot of places in recent years. So, what are your thoughts on that versus you know having a guy that can hang it up and get down there and down? Yeah, the the, the punting trend um, has really become. Uh, or to put what the kids, those kids will see them do punting in college or the pros now. They put the nose of the football down in those short field situations and are really able to, you know, pull the pitching wedge out for uh, for a golf analogy and put that ball up there and they can really control the ball and when it lands, to spin back. Um, and the, the efficiency from the pros on down in those uh, red zone punt situations has really increased in the last 10 to 15 years because of this new punting trend. So instead of, you know, trying to get along that sideline and see where it goes out of bounds, give yourself a little more grass to hang the ball up there, and if it does land, uh, a chance that it's going to roll backwards. And those kids have done a tremendous job uh, of perfecting that punt. Luke Larson is extremely strong at it from his um, days as a rugby player, being able to pinpoint the ball and put it where it wants to be. Or he tells me pass the ball is what he can see, used to call that, uh, which I got to – Get that clear to him. That's not a pass when you hit it with your foot. But um, and, and then uh, John is getting better and better. And knows that's a, a weapon he needs to put in his pocket moving forward. Um, but uh, th- that's where the trend is gone. The philosophical: just give yourself a little more grass and then uh, hang that ball up there and let it spin back. Moving over and talk, talking some defense, coach. Um, obviously, one of the things that has been missing in recent years is is. Um, some depth in the trenches and also putting pressure on opposing quarterbacks. So, so just uh, talk about some of the guys you have in your room. Uh, Jeremy Lewis making the move over from tight end. He played on the defensive side in high school. And then you also have Chad Stevens, who's a promising young talent. Yeah, there, there's a, a room full of young guys. I, I don't think there's an old guy in the group. I think we'll be looking at those faces for a couple of years. Uh, it was nice to coach the I got there, and Jeremy was already moved, so that that didn't have to be a discussion. And Jeremy is the talented kids we have on the football team. Find the right fit for him. Uh, I think he he kind of went to tight end out of necessity early in his career, but he is a he's a defensive minded kid. He, he plays fast. He's physical. Um, now we just got to continue to keep keep his body in shape. Just talk to Jeremy constantly about building uh, his machine up for this fall. Uh, because we're going to put him out there in situations uh, to make plays for us. And he showed in the spring that he has that type of ability uh, to be that stand-up. We call the rush outside linebacker for us. We're sometimes just coming off the edge, and he has the ability, uh, athletic ability to play in space uh, and, and play some zone coverage for us uh, as well. And Chad Stevens, and he uh, will play a lot of that position. And then, we, you know, we're not afraid to dip into as more depth as growing in the linebacker position to look at kids uh, to play, to, to come over and help us off the edge to increase our athleticism in certain situations. Uh, uh, there into the body at the rush spot. Manny Hickman had a really good spring, has developed into a leader in our, in our room, uh, doing a really good job at the field end position. Kareem Stinson, uh, Elijah Robinson, uh, uh, Trayvon uh, Freshwater, those kids are going to fill the, role, fill the roles behind him, but also – you know, always keep an, uh, keep an eye out there and try to add uh, a new name or two to the program as well. And, Coach, one of the things that uh, I'm a defensive guy, I love defense, uh, and one of the things I've noticed is this is probably the most depth we've had at defense uh, since going all the way back to 2015. 
a good number of years ago. Uh, what are your thoughts being, obviously, a D1 coach as far as our depth we have overall with defense? Well, I think the trend is in college football, and it is certainly true. I've tried to explain it to the kids that one guy is no longer takes 80 snaps on defense. I think they have a great defense. You have to be able to play 17, 18, 19 guys and not just a few snaps. Uh, got that mindset in the room where those kids know it's all out full throttle, three, four, five snaps, and you're going playing whatever the offense puts on us, and then we're ready to rotate and get guys out there. And then when you're fresh and ready to go back in there, uh, you get back in there. So it'll be a constant rotation, uh, especially up front, to keep those kids fresh, uh, to let them also. I think it just creates a, um, a mindset in the room that if they put the work in during the week that they're going to get an opportunity to make plays on Saturday. Uh, and those kids earn those opportunities through the off season and through the practice season um, to get ready to go. So we're – the kids know that if they put in the work and they've earned it, they're going to get an opportunity, and I think that helps create fresh bodies to just because I do expect us to get the quarterback out of his comfort zone this fall. Coach, what about uh, as far as um, outside linebacker? Wanted to talk about that. That's been a position uh, as far as linebackers in in the past has been kind of thin in that room, uh, but it looks like things are starting to turn in our uh, favor this year. Yeah, we have, you know, I think they played a good number of guys there last year, so it was nice to turn on the film. And then we added Jeremy to the film, but Chad has played. Uh, Trey Terry has played in the past. Jeremy um, really does a nice job adding a lot of athleticism, a little more length to the position. Um, he's learning the nuances and doing a good job. And Coach Harrell's got some <clears throat> depth at inside linebacker, and, and, and we'll certainly use some of those guys if we need to, whether it's Avery Smith or Miles, and get them out there. Um, on the edge of the defense as well. But that that will be to create more speed on the field. That's what offenses are doing. So defenses are obviously forced to, you know, in, in a lot of ways match personnel with the, uh, people with those guys. No question about it. One of the questions I had, Coach, is I know that we're uh, – this has been an unbelievable time for you guys as far as coaching and, and with Coach Houston with the month of June as we're wrapping up the month of June now. Uh, can you talk about, I know you can't talk about names, obviously, but recruiting-wise, it seems like you guys have done a really nice job. And uh, I'm, I'm wondering, have you had any sleep in the month of June? Oh, you know, Coach does a good job. We're, you know, we're organized through it, but June, June was, you know, buckle up and let's go to work. And we saw that going into it. And, you know, we built up the spring to line up to have a good June. Um, and I think momentum is a word that keeps getting used around this program, but um, I think that's accurate to say in recruiting as well. You know, the, the, the momentum from the SMU game, the momentum through the spring and, and the workouts for our kids and, it, and it's transitioned into recruiting as well. A lot of positive vibes in our building. Um, our players have done a tremendous job when, when families have come through um, and, and being, being very honest and transparent with those folks and um, selling what we have here. We've got great people and great facilities and a great university uh, and I think a lot of families have seen that here in June. And I think it just continues to be an uptick through the rest of the summers. We battle for some high-end kids uh, against some top-level programs. Coach, obviously, and going into your first season in the program, um, just talk about you know right out of the gates, you have a huge matchup with App State and Charlotte. Uh, Everybody that knows anything about college football knows how good the Mountaineers have been in recent years. A tremendous challenge there. Um, they, they really love to uh, run the football. And then home opener against the SEC opponent in South Carolina. And I know off the air we were talking about how great it is to be back to normal and, and just have hopefully in close to 50,000 in Dowdy Ficklin. 
close to 50. I, I'm told 51, 52. I expect it to be a bunch. Absolutely. Yeah. Staying in only. <laughs> That's right. That's what I expect. I saw a little bit of that with baseball, what this community can do. So I'm excited to experience the football lens um, this fall. But, but yeah, no, the schedule makers wanted to challenge us um, in year three of Coach Houston stay here. App State's a tremendous program that we have a lot of respect for. Um, but we're excited for that opportunity. Let, let's go out and do it. You know, they, they run the football. Um, and if you're a defensive football coach, no greater challenge um, to who you are as a player and as a coach to go out there, over there in Charlotte, um, and, and stand up and stop the run. It would be a great, great challenge to see where we are early in the season to measure our toughness. I mean, that, that's how you measure toughness on the defenses. Can you stand up and stop the run? And that's what – as State's going to try to do, and, and that's what we have to do with tremendous job of stop. There's no secrets about that. So I really, really look forward to that. That It's really a, a personal challenge when somebody says they're going to run the football on you. No question about it, Coach. I had a question. Uh, one of the things that Pirate Nation wants really bad and how we can make it happen, I know it's above your pay grade, but can you talk about the importance of, speaking of recruiting, and an indoor practice facility, what would that mean to uh, East Carolina and, and your program? Well, it's a recruiting standpoint, yes, you know, because um, uh, to be able to show your facilities and your commitment to football and winning and moving to the highest levels, uh, but it's really a, a sheer, you know, function functionality where, you know, you guys know here in eastern North Carolina, there, there's a good chance every afternoon I figured out it might storm. <laughs> right. So the, the reality is keeping these done because you might be inside, you might be outside and adjust practice times, uh, but it will allow our team to train um without interruption, with some you know, consistency to scheduling, another facility for our kids in the off season uh, for, to kick in, to punt in, to run routes in, to throw balls on, to, to get individual work in on their own uh, and, and really take their games to the next level because football, you know, like every other sport, it, it's year-round in training. And sometimes now you're, now you're taking the weather variable out of it. And as beautiful as East North Carolina is, um, they're, you know, with the beautiful sunshine and being this close to the water, we, we do get a lot of storms. So the reality of it is it, it is something that would be a huge, huge benefit to our program. Yes, in recruiting to show another shiny piece with our beautiful weight room and offices and locker and, and, and stadium uh, to add that to this, that, hey, we are a, a football school and it's certainly trending in that direction. So, you know, with that, it's, it's way above my pay grade. With my, it's my job to, to give the kids – put them in position, and give them a chance to win. And I found out through the years we win football games, a lot of good things happen. No question about it. And, uh, Coach, before we let you go, obviously uh, we talked a big, uh, about in the beginning of the, the interview about places in Greenville. What, what places have you had a chance to eat? You, you like me, I guess you like, you like to eat out and love to eat. So what, what have you found around Greenville so far? Okay, so far, like, I, I, I like to ask a lot of locals, and, and Coach has got a good crew of them. You know, we got DK and Shank on staff, and, and, and Dale Steele, the commissioner. He, they yeah. can tell you all the great places in town. Uh, and Coach Houston gets out quite a bit as well. So, uh, let's see, we like the Dap House down there. Dickinson Avenue has done a great job down there, all those spots down there. The, uh, yeah. uh, what is it? The Burger Bar down there. Um, the Dap House has been great for us. Main Mill down here in Winterville. We'll probably end up there tonight. Uh, at some point for my wife's birthday, that that's a great spot down there. Those those have been, I would say, right off the top or so, probably our, our three favorite places to eat right there. Uh, but there's other things to do as well for some adult activities that we don't need to go into detail about. <laughs> that's that's very true. Coach, uh, we want to get everybody on board, and certainly uh, those that haven't done so, please go ahead and get your season tickets, one 800 ecupiratescom You can order 
your season tickets. Let's have uh, Dowdy Ficklin rocking this uh, this uh, summer. Well, definitely this fall for sure. Coach, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it, and look forward to having you back on again soon. Hey, thanks, guys. Have a great summer. There you have the thoughts of East Carolina's first-year special teams coordinator and also defensive end and outside linebackers coach Tim Dows as the Pirates special teams will seek to continue to uh, produce big plays uh, in the 2021 season. The Pirates, like I mentioned in that interview, had kick returns for touchdowns by Tyler Snead in each of the last two seasons and also blocked punts for touchdowns in each of the last two seasons and then also had uh, several other big plays that flipped field and uh, created nice field position for the Pirate offense. Uh, now let's go ahead and go to that interview that we had with Autry Denson, uh, the Charleston Southern head coach who was Notre Dame's all-time leading rusher back in the 90s and two years for Lou Holtz, a couple for Bob Davey. Ran for over 4,300 yards and 43 touchdowns in his days with the Fighting Irish from 1995 to 1999. And let's go to that conversation with Coach Denson, Charleston Southern's head coach, right now. Looking forward to, obviously, a big, big uh, season for the Pirates. And Bubba, we've got a very special guest with us right now. Absolutely, Dave. Uh, game four for the Pirates this year, um, 6 o'clock on September 25th, and the Charleston Southern Bucks will be coming to Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. And right now, we have the head coach, um, and Notre Dame's all-time leading rusher, Altry Denson. Coach, we appreciate your time this morning. Oh man, thank you so much for having me. No doubt, Coach. Uh, looking forward to the opportunity to uh, hopefully we meet you in person. But glad to have you right here, summertime. So uh, talk about uh, certainly with recruiting. I mean, everything's been. This has been. One of the craziest times. I know you guys had spring football. Let's talk about that. How how did that go and how different from – you're a football guy. How different was that? Normally when we talk about spring football, it's practices, but you guys had games, right? Yes, sir. Uh, it was. In light of everything that happened, it was a blessing to uh, even get our guys on the field. So uh, we were very thankful for that. Uh, and then, uh, like anything, man, we, uh, we took advantage of the opportunity to compete. And so, as you talked about, different than normal springs, you would be just that, you know, you're – your practices, you're against each other. But what we were able to do, man, is uh, get a much more in-depth evaluation because we were playing outside competition. And we played really good competition, which helps as well. So we got four games in. Uh, so now what we've been able to do is take that information and uh, those evaluations and really now train this summer with more intentionality, uh, knowing who the guys that are already, you know, kind of knowing how guys are going to respond to a live action uh, because we got a chance to see that and working our freshmen that are reported in, again, with that same mindset of uh, filling those those gaps that we saw needed to be uh, filled in uh, in the spring. Coach, I, I wanna, I'm going to segue off that and the circle back around Charleston Southern football, but you talk about playing those four games in the spring. Um, yeah, I, I've been wanting to ask an FCS head coach this, and, and here's my opportunity. There's been a lot of talk <laughs> over the there, – there's been a lot of talk over the years – of moving FCS football or even group of five football to the spring to give it more exposure or to let the power five have all the spotlight. And I think that's the stupidest idea uh, on the planet after doing it because you had to, because of COVID. What, what do you think of playing football in the spring versus fall? You know what? This is just my opinion. Well, football is meant to be played in the fall. Now, uh, there has been conversation uh, about, you know, doing uh, inter-squad scrimmages or things that – I mean, we're doing, uh, you know, uh, scrimmages against other people in the spring. And uh, I am a fan of that. I know we've talked about that because 
everybody has the same issue in the spring. I don't care if you power five, if you're FCS, is that you don't have the depth. Your seniors have left and your freshmen haven't reported. So you don't have as much depth in the spring. And I think for us at an FCS level, uh, getting a chance to play, I mean, we're blessed to be around South Carolina, Clemson. It may even be an additional revenue stream for us to where we can have an additional spring game uh, against someone who's a little bit bigger, get the exposure, but you get much better in evaluation in the spring, kind of like we did this spring because you're playing against somebody else. So I'm a okay. fan of that, but no, fall is where ball is meant to be played. Coach, we agree 100%. I, I, fall is where college football is meant to be played, and I have often thought that these spring football games, South Carolina, Clemson, East Carolina, all have these FBS programs. If we were if we were playing against an FCS or, a, or even a Division two or Division three opponent, to give to give everybody a chance to get practice against somebody else in a scrimmage mm-hmm. for a spring football game, like you said, it would be additional revenue mm-hmm. for FCS and lower uh, universities, and you know then you get a chance to hit somebody else and actually see mm-hmm. what you need to approve on. Yeah, I agreed, Coach. And also to add to that, it would also if you move the – I want to get your take on this, being an FCS coach, wouldn't it hurt you as far as um, revenue-wise if you play the, you know, the Power 5 schools, you play the Group of 5 schools uh, to get the, the money? Uh, wouldn't that hurt you as well as if you're playing FCS versus FCS in the spring and you're not getting the money that you would in the fall? No doubt. That is definitely uh, one of that, – that's part of the business model, right, of FCS. So, yeah, it definitely – and you saw that in the spring, right, because you did have – those teams to play. And that's exciting too. I mean, you want to see really good games and you want to see, you know, that cross different levels playing each other and things of that nature. But yeah, your revenue stream is a big deal uh, when you come to the model of the FCS. And plus the opportunity to pull off the upset. Now we hope we don't see one in Greenville this fall, but it's always <laughs> exciting when you see the FCS teams upsetting the, the FBS opponents, particularly if it's a power five, that, that, that makes it extra special. Yes, sir. I will not comment or agree or disagree <laughs> with your comment on that. <laughs> now, now, Coach, taking a look at things, um, before we dive into your time there at Charleston Southern, uh, you had the opportunity to, like I mentioned in the Open, you know, play for Notre Dame, uh, had a very successful career there, two years for Lou Holtz and also um, two for uh, Bob Davey. So just talking about playing for those guys, obviously Coach Holtz is so well-known, uh, tremendous motivator and, uh, you know, or- organizer. Um, but just touch on him and, you know, how he's impacted you as a coach and then also um, just your path into coaching. You know what, I'll, I'll touch on Coach Holtz, and I can't say impacted. I have to say continuing to impact because uh, we're still in contact. Uh, that's one of the things about when you play for Holtz. Uh, it is uh, the most challenging time of your life as a as a college athlete but it also is the most rewarding moving forward because once you go through uh, his 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 two years of hazing for me uh you got a lifetime advocate in him and a teacher and a, a mentor and all of those things so it's well worth it uh when you start talking about uh just how he continues to impact me is that uh, going to Notre Dame afforded me the opportunity uh in addition to my high school coach and even when I was in the NFL, I've been really blessed to have some really good mentors. You're talking about at the University of Notre Dame, not only Lou Holtz, but, uh, you know, it's my Greg Madison. You're talking about Charlie Strong. You're talking about Urban Meyer. You're talking about uh, Dan Mullen came through there as a GA. You're talking about Tabor Johnson uh, being drafted to Coach Dungy in the NFL. So how it impacts me is that uh, they've sold so much. They've sown so many good lessons into me that 
I have the tools I need now as a head coach, and I just pull the ones that I need off uh, at the time, uh, depending on what I need. Uh, my path into coaching now was totally different. And uh, me and Coach Meyer, probably, uh, he, he probably more than anybody uh, uh, has a, a lot to do with how I got into coaching, him and Charlie Strong, because uh, I never went to go into coaching. When I retired from the NFL, I actually went into the financial industry and had an eight-person team at Merrill Lynch. So I did that for over 10 years. And uh, it wasn't until I accepted my calling to go into ministry that God led me back to sports. And so my first job was a head coaching job that I never interviewed for. So, you know, just further evidence that it was God pulling the strings and not me. But uh, all those those years that I spent away from coaching, Charlie Strong and Urban Meyer would stay just in my ear about how I needed to be in coaching, how I needed to do it. And when I decided to uh, make the jump after one year being a college, uh, I mean, a high school head coach to college, the very first person I called was Coach Meyer, and he walked me through the process of how things were going to go. And uh, I still rely upon him and Coach Strong uh, to this day uh, a lot. Coach, that's a, that's a, heck of a, that's a heck of a coaching tree there to uh, to lean on. Um, obviously, with Urban Meyer, Charlie Strong, and then Lou Holtz. But I got to ask you, you've probably been asked this when you, when, you, when you mentioned Lou Holtz, because so many people do. Do you do a Lou Holtz? <laughs> You know, uh, it's probably not a very good one. Uh, and I'm going to tell you why. Uh, I was really blessed. Coach Oates is really easy. Uh, from this standpoint, he's very much like Jimmy Johnson. So when I played for Jimmy Johnson, the first thing he said to me was that uh, I have favorites. And your job is to become one of them. Uh, how you do that is you make plays. And so I was blessed to play early at Notre Dame. So although uh, Coach Oates has extremely high standards and nobody gets a free pass, uh, I became one of his guys fairly early. And at that point for him, I mean, it's a different dynamic. Uh, I can do a Lou Holtz impression, but uh, I, I would say that for some of my teammates because they do a much better job. <laughs> okay. All right. Coach, I have a question regarding uh, your alma mater, Notre Dame. I promise we'll get to your football club in just a second. No uh, one, of the one of the things I'm interested in being your coach and former player at Notre Dame is the whole uh, expansion of the college football playoff and the uh, – the fact that Notre Dame would um, be not a part of a conference, how they may be left out of the top four. I just want to get your take on that. And I'm a fan of the expansion. Are you a fan of the expansion without, I know that's a big part of it right there is uh, if they're one of the best four teams, I feel like they should be in that mix, but I just want to get your take on that. You know what? Jack Swarberg said it best. He said, uh, thank God that now nobody can cry that we'll have to play an extra game now. So it used to be that everyone cried that Notre Dame didn't play a, a conference championship game. So now without being a top four, you, you have to play an additional week. So uh, if, you're, if you are a Notre Dame alumnus and someone who's there, you go in there with the mindset because you don't play in a conference that every game is a national championship. So if it's 12 games, 13 games, 14 games, it don't matter. Just line them up and let's play. Yeah, and I think the, the idea of expanding the playoff to 12 teams, obviously – in the FCS level, you guys have a true playoff. So I think if, if the FBS does expand to a 12-team playoff, I think it benefits everybody. I think it, you know, it, it gives everybody a shot. Notre Dame, uh, most years, they're going to be in the mix with a 12-team playoff to get in as an independent. You're going to have your, your five power, five champions. And then for your East Carolinas, who we cover, uh, it gives us a legitimate opportunity if the highest ranked group of five champions it automatically gets in if they expand to 12. So I think going to 12 would be much similar to what the FCS has and a much more fair playoff and better for everybody. It will be, and it'll be very much what you uh, – it, it allows now for just the uh, – for a team to jail, right? We see it in the NFL every year where teams 
throughout the season. You know, they work out their kinks and now they can play well together and, and, and they gel at the end of the year as opposed to, you know, coming out hot and uh, having one bad week and it costs you, you know, early. So everybody wants it. I'm glad to see that they are uh, making that move and uh, it'll be fun. It's always good conversation, right? Then, then they'll be saying, how can they improve upon the 12? So just conversations. You know how that is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I won't. I won't get too excited until it's past, Coach. I, it's still talking <laughs> at this point, but God knows anything that makes sense. The NCAA sends to simply screw up. I will not agree or disagree with that comment <laughs> about the NCAA. <laughs> well, Coach, obviously, one of the things we're going to uh, talk about is your a ball club too. But uh, the whole situation with NC State with COVID nineteen. Um, I want to get your thoughts on as far as vaccinations. We can't tell the kids to say, hey, you got to get vaccinated. But at the same time, I felt really bad. And they're one of our rival schools. But I felt ba bad for Elliot Avent and those guys. They put a lot of time, effort, all the seniors not to get to play in the College World Series. I realize it's baseball, but that could happen to any whatever team, fill in the blank. Yeah, that's hard. I, I, I think uh, everybody shares the same sentiment, right? Because no matter what sport – it is you respect the process and the amount of time and sacrifice that goes into it and so you never want to see anything like that happen but uh, very much what you alluded to earlier is that I mean you can't force anyone to do anything and I think that as anything you'll have certain teams because it really is a team decision uh it's individual but you're still a part of a team and I think that uh, you'll have certain teams that will and I, I just read some with Patrick Peterson uh, talking about that, saying that, you know, some people are going to use that as an advantage, right? It is a competitive advantage to be fully vaccinated because you have the peace of mind and less worry and, and you don't have this situation happening. So I think that it is uh, what, what we say around here is we say it has to be coach fed, meaning we have to lead them and guide them and give them good stuff. Coach fed, but player led. It's ultimately going to be a player decision because it is a player game. And uh, you, you pray that you can build a culture strong enough or have leaders that are strong enough that can get guys to see the bigger picture, you know, for the good of the team, and you don't have that situation happen. And a little inside scoop for you, Coach. Bubba, Coach Houston said publicly that uh, we have 111 players vaccinated at this point. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's correct. And he said uh, at least 111 out of 126. Oh, wow. That's good. But, um, you know, Coach, you talked about your path into coaching. You know, prior to getting the, the head job at Charleston Southern, and this is your third year in, uh, in your current role, but uh, you've been a running backs coach at your alma mater, uh, Notre Dame, but then also USF, Miami of Ohio, Bethune-Cookman. Uh, just talk about, um, you know, that head coaching opportunity being extended to you by Jeff Barber, who's an East Carolina guy, someone we're very familiar with. You know, I am very appreciative that uh, Jeff was obedient, but uh, the same reason I came here is the person who orchestrated this opportunity, and that's God. So I alluded to that, you know, I got into coaching because I accepted my call to go into ministry. And uh, you named some really great places that uh, I've been blessed to go to, including my alma mater, uh, and contribute as a coach. But uh, that was never the goal for, for me and my family. Uh, when we decided we were getting into coaching, we, we said as a family, uh, because we were using it as ministry that wherever God would send us, we would willingly go. And so the goal was never to be at Notre Dame. The goal was never to be at South Florida. The goal was to go wherever God was going to take us and then obedi obediently serve where we were. And so God orchestrated this. I uh, did without a doubt, though, I, uh, there was no doubt in my mind that when we did make that move, that uh, a head coach and opportunity would be at the, that somewhere down the lines. 
And so while I'm appreciative to Jeff being obedient to a uh, God and Coach Holtz, because uh, Coach Holtz also uh, spoke to him about it, it, it it's, this is God's plan for my life. I'm very clear on that to uh, run what we consider over here football ministry, not a program, but a football ministry that does have an extremely, extremely important football component to it because it's the platform on which we uh, influence and win lives for Christ, mentor young men uh, to graduate, to be leaders at home in their community, and then also win national championships. And that's not a slip of the tongue. That's multiple championships, just in case you were confused. <laughs> uh, Coach, <laughs> we're, talk, we're talking, obviously, about Jeff Barber being the AD. Uh, talk about him. We like him a lot. Uh, we had him on the show a couple of years ago, uh, a Greenville guy, but uh, obviously there at Charleston Southern. Uh, talk about him and your relationship with with uh, Jeff Barber. You know what? It's uh, it's interesting you said that because uh, as time moves on, me, we, me and Jeff have a great, we have a really good working relationship. He does a really good job of uh, just building things. I mean, I mean, it's in his past when he was at Liberty. I mean, he built that place up uh, really well, and he's doing the same thing here. One of the things he told me, and you talking about speaking to his credibility, was uh, when I interviewed, he said, "Hey, I don't like that scoreboard. We're gonna change that thing." Uh, before I ever played my first game here, we had a 800,000-plus uh, uh, video board sitting out there. Uh, right now, we're changing the turf. He's already talking about expanding the stadium. So uh, he is really good at uh, going out and being able to do the things that uh, he has the vision for. And so, man, I appreciate him uh, giving me the resources I need to uh, go out and compete. Coach, you mentioned – you obviously you, you're a man of faith. You, you make that perfectly clear. And you, you mentioned how you, you don't call it a program; you call it a football ministry. Um, how, how on the recruiting front, um, when you're going into kids' homes and, and you have that aspect and that approach to it, I, I would imagine that uh, to most parents, that's got to be very comforting. You know what? Besides, yeah, I mean, I would assume it is. But the thing that I'm, uh, I feel like my biggest attribute is, and I was just, I'm just, I'm just gonna always be me. Right. And I think people feel the sincerity and the genuineness uh, in my faith is a part of that, a big part of it. But I just think that people appreciate you being just honest, open and sincere. And so, you know, what's interesting about that is that uh, and, and, I, and I always get these crazy looks, uh, even when I was at Notre Dame, is that uh, when I'm recruiting someone, I try to de-recruit them with the truth. I try to scare them off with the truth and uh, I, I make sure they know because I'm a person that has extremely high expectations. Uh, not pacifying anybody. Uh, you aren't the greatest thing since sliced bread. Uh, you, it, that's just not what it is. So I feel we have an obligation as leaders to make sure we set very realistic expectations for these young people. And from a credibility standpoint, when they do show up on campus, the ones that do pick or have picked the institutions I've been at, the credibility is already established because they know exactly what they signed up for. So, uh, yeah, I, I just think, again, people appreciate sincerity and uh, just – openness and honesty uh, so that they can make a choice. Because at the end of the day, that's really what you're trying to give them a choice to go to the best place for them. Yeah, Co Coach Ruff used to say, uh, Ruff and McNeil used to say, uh, and he probably still does, but he used to say, uh, real recognizes real. Man, and that is a legend, man. The fact that you're doing an interview with me and you mentioned his name, I am like honored because he is an absolute legend. <laughs> that's a giant yeah. right there now. Yeah, we, we love Coach Ruff. Wish he was still here. Man, everybody loves him. No doubt I don't know him and I love him. <laughs> uh, speaking <laughs> of someone that can go in the living room, when you had Coach Ruff and McNeil, he always talked about he had daughters, but still on the, on the team he had sons. And when he could go in there and you can sit at the, the kitchen table with mom 
you knew that he was going to take care of your son, uh, no doubt about it. Let's talk about recruiting, Coach. Uh, I know that's been uh, a tough period with COVID. You have the Zoom, it's like you're doing right now with us. Uh, how has it been to be able to get on the recruiting trail and have some sense of normalcy now? You know what's funny, man, is you could tell that you don't – I mean, I love, I love tough, man. I mean, it's supposed to be that way. Uh, that presents us with more opportunities, right? So uh, it, it, I tell you what, man, we, uh, we adjusted because that's what you have to do. Uh, we went deep in relationships, which is what we do, and we found a way to use technology to allow us to transcend geographical boundaries. Uh, right now, I'm having more fun than I've ever had, though, because uh, we're able to – since June 1st, we're able to have people on campus. We've been getting back at camps. Man, I it just it's just one of those deals where I've always enjoyed and I love being around people. But when you have something taken away from you, you just enjoy it that much more. And so I, I'm used to always squeezing every bit and every ounce of quality out of everything anyway. Now I'm squeezing that thing and wringing it twice, uh, just really enjoying uh, some face to face time with recruits, their parents and uh, our families as well. You know, so. Just all of that stuff is good. I mean, we they, they cut into me and my staff's uh, family potlucks, right? We couldn't meet in person. So uh, we're happy to be doing that stuff again. Coach, we, uh, you know, we talked about a little bit of everything, but I, the most obvious question, you know, when, when Charleston Southern rolls into Greenville uh, week four, what, what, what are the Pirates going to see? Well, I mean, what kind of football team do you have in terms of your style of offense, style of defense? Uh, what are the strengths and weaknesses of, of your team? You know what, man, we really, really uh, focus on the things that we need to do to get better. And that's what we really look at. But uh, what we're always trying to do week in and week out is just be consistently consistent and, you know, and play really complimentary football in all three phases of the game. Uh, offensively, uh, we are a spread team, but uh, I am a running back at heart. So uh, Coach Coster, our offensive coordinator, does a good job of pacifying me that every time he talks about the spread offense, he then adds on the caveat that we want to be the most physical spread offensive team in the country. Right. So he had to pacify the running back in me. I love that when he does that uh, on defense. Uh, we want to keep things simple. Right. Uh, see ball, hit ball. We call it caveman football. See ball, hit ball. Wherever it is, you go sort it out. Uh, we find it well, physically and we'll sort it out later. And then we want our special teams to be special. Uh, those are our elite uh, guys who we, we call on them to, to get it done in one play, four to six seconds. And so, again, just complimentary football but having fun. I think so often, man, we lose the joy of the sport within the competition. And it's been my experience as a player uh, and as a coach, the more fun you're having, the harder you compete. And so that's who we try to be week in and week out. And uh, we don't change it versus who we're playing. We just uh, are always trying to love our guys to excellence in Christ so they can uh, work through that standard and not to it. Coach, this is the program, um, you know, Anybody that uh, has followed college football in the last couple years and Jamie Chadwell, the job that he did at Charleston Southern back from 2013 to 2016 uh, has certainly shown uh, what can be accomplished there. Uh, so far in, in your first two years, six and six, two and two, uh, just give us a glimpse on the offensive side of the ball. I know you have a veteran quarterback, Jack Chambers, 5'10", 180 pounds, uh, and he's a dual threat. talking to the cut uh, it should yeah. be you now coach yeah just, okay yeah just talk about your quarterback jack chambers and uh, some of your offensive skill pieces you know jack's done a really good job of coming in and adjusting uh they were clearly running a different offense when we got here but uh he has thrived on us uh changing to that spread you know that physical spread offense he's really thrived because he is a dual threat 
uh, he's still learning. And uh, that's what's exciting because we feel like his, uh, his best days are ahead of him. Uh, as far as, uh, you know, what I'm excited about, it, it really just is, I love to see our guys compete. I mean, I, I talked about everyone respects the process, right? And so it's so much that goes to it just to get to that Saturday is that I just always look forward to seeing those guys compete, you know, getting a chance to go out to play with each other, to, uh, you know, have an additional shared experience with their brothers, with their coaches and uh, going out and making memories. So that's what I'm excited for more than anything. Coach, uh, one thing I had uh, as far as the defensive side of the ball, I love defense. So uh, talk about that. I know you said you keep it simple, but uh, what about you guys on maybe your, the line or your linebackers, your your DBs? Uh, who's some guys that will stand out that Pirate fans would like to know about? You know what? Uh, everything starts up front. I mean, I don't care what offense or defense you run. It begins up front, right, with the big guys. And so on offense, obviously, it's the O-line. Well, on defense, it's the D-line. And so guys such as Chandra Mims, Nick Sally, uh, Anton Williams, guys who have been around here playing football for a pretty, you know, pretty good amount of time. Uh, you just want to see those guys continue to develop. And a lot of their development is not just what they do individually, but how they affect and influence and make other guys around them better. And so uh, we expect those guys to uh, play hard, uh, always play with heart, but uh, also uh, excited to see how they lead some of these younger guys to get them to, uh, you know, step their game up as well. And as far as um, special teams, can you talk about some some guys, maybe your place kicker, punter? I mean, all that, like you said, the complimentary football, all three parts of the game is very important. Man, I love my specialists, and we got so much work to do, man. I I, I don't even know where to begin. We, we did not – we were not particularly well in the spring. And, again, that's one of the benefits of – playing uh, opponents because that could have got masked and uh, taken into the fall. So uh, didn't do a particularly good job. I know our specialists are taking that as a challenge. We've uh, had some guys join us who weren't here. That's going to help push uh, from some competition standpoint. But uh, when we line up, those guys will be ready to go. They have pride. And more importantly, they love their brothers and they don't want to let them down. And so we, again, we want special teams to be special. Uh, uh, I figure Nate Tool has been around here. Uh, he was a young man that came in and actually set a record last year uh, coming off the bench for uh, by replacing our other kicker and kicking the farthest field goal in history. So Nate's a very hard worker. Uh, you got Miller Braddock, uh, who's a punter. And so we have a couple young men that have been around. We have some pieces that are going to push him. But at the end of the day, uh, those guys are going to, again, they're going to step up when uh, called upon because they love their brothers and they don't want to let them down. Coach, I had a question as far as the transfer portal. Has that actually helped you guys uh, being an FCS? Does that help you when you have the transfer portal where you guys can pick up some guys maybe from Power 5 or Group of 5? You know what? Not so much because uh, with the transfer portal, you also have a one-time transfer rule. So guys aren't transferring and coming down. They're transferring and going uh, lateral. They're going from, you know, one FBS to another FBS. So uh, it, it has not, and uh, I am not a particular guy that uh, is looking in the portal. Uh, if I had my preference, I would try to uh, grow it organically uh, just because uh, you got a chance to develop guys and really have them bought into your culture. So, you know, when you start talking about transfers, there are a lot of good ones out there. But really, the, the biggest uh, thing is, you know, chemistry and fit, you know, because uh, that, that is important. You can have a, a lot of talent on paper, but if it doesn't play well together, they don't play well together. It really doesn't matter. Yeah, you mentioned the transfer portal with the new rule at the FBS level. 
where you can transfer without sitting out a year. I think that's really going to change the dynamic for some FCS programs. Uh, Coach Houston, for example, came from James Madison, who took a lot of FBS transfers yeah. over the year. And it'll be interesting to see programs like that that were upper echelon FCS schools that were used to getting FBS transfers. If they're not going to anymore as much, how that's going to affect uh, their programs and recruiting going forward. And uh, just to follow up to that, uh, you mentioned wanted to win multiple national championships at Charleston Southern. When you take on East Carolina, uh, you're taking on a guy, Mike Houston, who won a national championship at the FCS level. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on Coach Houston and his staff and his reputation, particularly at your level, the FCS level? I mean, obviously, he, uh, I mean, James Madison is, you know, who James Madison is, and he had a big part doing that. So uh, nothing but respect. I do not know him personally, but uh, his resume speaks for himself. Uh, the good thing about Coach Houston is he is not uh, worried about what I think of him. So uh, he's not losing any sleep over that. But uh, like I said, his resume speaks for itself, uh, what he did to James Madison and uh, what he's been able to do throughout his career. And uh, that's why he's at ECU, right? Because uh, they, they winning, you know, winning, winning follows him. And so. Coach, um, final thing I have for you, I mentioned earlier, it'll be game four for the Pirates, September 25th, 6 o'clock kickoff on ESPN+. Plus. And for you guys, it'll be uh, your third game. Uh, you actually get your season underway two weeks prior on September 11th against mm -hmm. against the Citadel with that crosstown battle. So, so touch on that uh, as we're winding this down. I mean, at that point, I mean, in regards to we would have had uh, two opportunities to go out and play together. And uh, obviously, uh, whether it's three games or four games, man, uh, you we'll, we'll be ready to go just as they will be, too. No doubt, Coach, I have one final question for you, the toughest question. Uh, do you like barbecue? Because we have a lot of barbecue in Greenville, so we, we'll be glad to send some barbecue your way uh, when you come there to Greenville on, on the 25th. You, you know what's funny? So for the past now it is going on eight months i've now been pescatarian and so wow. i am not eating anything with fish and primarily it's uh it's fruits and veggies for me and a lot of salads so uh, i've always been funny about how i ate anyway in moderation but uh i will if it's plant-based i will still eat barbecue sauce on it but uh i don't know if they figured out how to, to to do the barbecue thing pescatarian style yet oh barbecue shrimp i there you go okay i appreciate it man I'm there all day then on that now, all day. <laughs> Delicious. Grill the shrimp, barbecue sauce. Yeah, that's great. There you that go. Works for me. Coach, thank you so much. You spent a lot of time with us. It means a lot. And uh, we're really happy to have you on. Love to have you back on uh, sometime past the season, obviously. And good luck to you this summer. And look forward to hopefully we meet you on September 25th. Man, thank you both. Thank you all so much, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, yeah, just been ha fun hanging out, man. And I thank you for the opportunity. Thanks. There you have Charleston Southern head coach Autry Denton. Appreciate Coach carving out a half hour for us um, to take a trip down memory lane, talking about his uh, glory days with the Fighting Irish back in the mid to late 90s, and also obviously his Charleston Southern Bucks, uh, who will be coming into Dowdy Ficklin Stadium to face East Carolina on September 25th. Uh, also, thanks to Tim Douse. I uh, really appreciate um, Coach Douse coming on to talk East Carolina Pirate football as it pertains to special teams, defensive ends, and outside linebackers. Uh, Coach Douse obviously has an excellent impression uh, of Greenville and also Coach Houston and really what East Carolina University and East Carolina football mean to Greenville and Eastern North Carolina. 
But uh, that will do it for this show. We really appreciate you tuning in. Um, be sure to like and follow the show wherever you listen. Like and follow on Facebook. Subscribe on YouTube. Um, follow us on Twitter at the Sports OBJ. Like and follow on Instagram at the Sports Objective. Also, um, give us a follow on TikTok, and, and on TikTok we can be found just like on Twitter at the Sports OBJ. You can listen to the show pretty much anywhere podcasts are found. SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts, you name it, you can probably find us there. Until next time, for Dave Richmond and Kyle Barber, I'm Bubba Rosenbaum, and you've been listening to the Sports Objective Podcast.